Hello. Oh my gosh, hello. <laughs> it's been a million years. Boys and girls, your attention please. Presenting a new exciting radio program, faster than an airplane, more powerful than a locomotive, impervious to bullets. Hello and welcome to The Thought Bubble, a podcast about comics and comics-adjacent culture. I'm Joanna Robinson. And I'm Dave Gonzalez. If you're just joining us for the first time, we're here to answer your questions about all things comics. Dave here is our so-called expert, and I'm your friendly neighborhood novice. But this podcast is meant for comics lovers of all levels. If Dave wants to go in-depth or spoilery about a particular answer, he'll do so in our advanced section that comes at the end of each episode with ample warning. So don't worry. If you have a question for us, please shoot us an email at bubbleyourthoughts at gmail.com. You can find all of our old episodes at fightinginthewarroom.com slash comics. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello, it's Tuesday, April 1st, 2015, and this is issue number 17. We are back. Sorry for the long hiatus. Sorry for the long wait. Uh, My fault. I, I grabbed a time gem. Fault. You're not supposed to touch the time gem, <laughs> and I knew it was a problem. But you know, you gotta see it. If if I learn anything from Thanos, it's, it's, if it's in your grasp, give it a try. <laughs> I think that's some good. Uh, maybe self help by Thanos should be like a, a, a tie in marketing thing that they do. <laughs> self help posters by Thanos. <laughs> it would it would be great. It would be like you know. Don't give your friend anything at her baby shower because it might turn out it was an infinity gem all along and you will regret giving it away. There you go. Or like learn to embrace death. It comes for us all, right? Yes, death is lovely and beautiful. (laughs) Exactly. Um, All right, so we've got a lot of old news to talk about. We're not going to talk about all of it, but we've got a a healthy list to run down before we get to some of your questions. Um, But I, I think at the top of the show we're just going to say that in the upcoming weeks as Game of Thrones kicks into high gear, we sort of teased this before uh, the Thought Bubble is going to be a little less frequent, we're not going to be a weekly podcast, we are aiming to do some specials tied to specifically the release of Daredevil um, all these events that are happening in the comics that Dave is keeping on top of and um, Avengers Age of Ultron which is happening uh, in May and so we will be around. We will be here. If something big happens, if something big goes down, we'll probably have a reaction podcast like we did for Spider-Man. But we are going to press pause on the weekly feedback uh, podcast just while we take that 10-week uh, trip to Westeros. And then it's we'll basically back. like if you're reading comics, we're doing what all the comics are doing. Everything's stopping. Something big is going to happen elsewhere. And then everything will start up again and we'll, we'll figure out what, what happened. There you go. Um, all right, so we are going to kick off with this Suicide Squad news. Um, oh, have we mentioned that we oh. do a Game of Thrones podcast about spoilers hey. and books and adaptations and stuff? And hey. it seems like, if you're not spoiler-averse, this is a podcast you might enjoy, listener. We do a Game of Thrones podcast about spoilers and books and how they tie in. It's going to be really extra interesting this season. Um, and you, you stop hinting already. I haven't watched the episodes yet. Oh, okay. I was just going to... There's, there's Twitter buzz that you're already right about screener things, and I'm interested because I am who I am, but side-eyeing because it is what it, what it is. The, um, 
what Neil said or, or elsewhere on Twitter? What Neil said. What Neil said. Um, so Neil Miller from Film School Rejects is our, is our third co-host for that podcast, which you can find fightinginthewarroom.com slash... Got spoilers. Got spoilers. There you go. Um, yeah, we started that last season. It was really fun. We'll be back to do it this season. It'll be... I just meant it'll be interesting just because the show is diverging so much from the books. So, Oh, um, you're not going to be like, well, finally, I get to be right again. <laughs> no, but it is nice to be right. Um, <laughs> I Whatever Neil is alluding to, I didn't come up with. Because all the stuff that I've written about, about Game of Thrones this season, has been from, like, deep in the message boards of fan sites. So it's not like I came up with anything, but... Yeah, these are the sorts of arguments we have on that other <laughs> podcast, if you guys are enjoying this. Okay, <laughs> if not, <laughs> let's move on to... Uh, the Suicide Squad news, which we found out about three new characters on the Suicide Squad, which is already jam-packed with characters. I think maybe four. Okay. Well, what I know is Killer Croc, Plastique, and Steve Trevor. Who's the fourth? King Shark, perhaps. Oh, okay. What is King Shark? Is it a shark? Uh, it's basically like the Killer Croc of sharks. <laughs> okay. Just don't, don't worry about it too much. <laughs> like that shark on Buffy? That lone shark on Buffy? More like uh, Street Sharks, the, like, 90s cartoon and toy line. <laughs> okay. That's how I picture it, at least. Um, but not, like, Land Sharks from, uh, from Saturday Night Live. Not something that's going to be able to emote a lot, so I wouldn't expect it to be a huge character. Okay. Especially if Killer Crocs in there, played by uh, Mr. Echo. <laughs> Mr. Echo is the most convenient way for us to get around trying to pronounce his name. I gave that up long ago. Uh, Mr. Echo is also going to be on Game of Thrones, so that's a nice little tieback. But anyway, uh, what Killer Croc's presence tells us is that, you know, in order to please, please the Daves of the world, uh, this movie is going even more comic booky than um, otherwise expected. Right? Well, it's the first on-screen adaptation of a very popular comic book character that would be considered part of the rogues gallery, especially because of his prominence in the Arkham games. Um, so it's cool. It's you know, it's not often that you get to see a new Batman character on screen. Well, you know? but it's also sort of like like Gorilla Grodd, where it's a, a step up in terms of like humanoid superpowered humanoids versus a sentient gorilla, right? Yes. In a Marvel movie, I would say yes. But in Suicide Squad, there's going to be so much superpoweredness around. And this is going to be post uh, Batman v Superman. So it's I'm not sure if it has the same shine like uh, Gorilla Grodd does. Speaking of, um, of the CW shows, though, uh, they killed off Deadshot in a recent Arrow episode, though I'm not I'm not sure he's dead entirely. But comic book movie rules apply well yeah and we didn't see the even just standard tv rules apply we didn't see the body you know so we saw an explosion also he was standing on the roof and all the fire came out of the windows yeah like, so, you know, yeah we unfortunately saw a building collapse since we talked to you guys last no, and that is not what, what it looks like is that in theory they might kill off deadshot on the show because it'd be less confusing. But then again, they're fine with having a movie flash and a TV flash. But I'm just saying, if you want to have just one dead shot under your, under your brand, you know, you yeah, might want to uh, bump off the TV version of it. So. Especially if Will Smith is going to do, uh, you know, a more, a deeper, different job than right. the flashbacks we got for Deadshot. They <laughs> might've been like, well, let's give him an origin and get him, get him out of there. Get them the hell out of here. 
Um, yeah. All right. Plastique just Ooh, means there's. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. So no, you're gonna, we're going to keep on Suicide Squad. That's good. Well, yeah. I'll, just quickly, Plastique means uh, what? There are three females now. There's Harley Quinn, Enchantress, and Plastique, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know anything about. Well, and Amanda Waller, obviously. Oh, but. and Amanda Waller, yes. Uh, and then Steve Trevor um, is going to be played by Clint Eastwood's kid. And he doesn't get a, a full name until he properly impresses me, like Kurt Russell's kid did. Even though I just called him Kurt Russell's kid. Um, uh, have you seen the uh, Jared Jared Leto talks creepily on tour with his band videos that people are saying is his Joker voice? And no, I saw the headline like, "Is this Jared Leto's Joker voice?" But I didn't click on it. Yeah, the one I saw is like him telling a fan to shut up, and then he starts like doing a gravelly "I'll kill oh, you" voice, and I'm Jesus like, "This is hilarious." If this is how we figure this out. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, all right. So that's Suicide Squad update. Uh, can I move on to the next or did you want to go back to something else? No, that was what I wanted to bring up because it's just funny that he's like, all right, let's go figure this character out. Cut on out the my hair, do a makeup <laughs> test. And now I'll just keep practicing as I fly to Mars. Well, maybe, um, you know, he's trying to do a Heath Ledge and, and go like go method. Be the Joker until the Joker is is done. That would make for a much more exciting thirty seconds to Mars tour. So you <laughs> might as well just commit right now. Go, I would go the, the whole Joker thing. Hit. Start putting the makeup on. Yeah, the Joker heads the band for one <laughs> leg of the tour, and people freak out. Gee, right. That would sell out so quickly. They're probably already sold out. I have no idea if they're popular. They are. They are. Oh, okay. Uh, all right, and so then speaking of more DC casting, uh, we've got Rory from Doctor Who, a.k.a. Arthur Darvill, is playing um, Rip Hunter, which is just the most comic bookiest name ever, on the uh, Arrow Flash spinoff. And we also have um, someone who I've never heard of cast as Hawk Girl. Uh, so these are, the, these are the characters that are being added to another, yet another uh, non-rogues gallery property another uh, team up property well we talked about rory's character he was called the rogue and was like the han solo-ish time right, traveler right. that i wanted to be booster gold and is not and then the hawk girl girl just the day that her casting was announced just like went to midtown comics and hung out with people so uh, she's okay in my book oh, i like her yeah and uh, apparently they're going to just use her wings when she powers up. So she won't be, she'll probably be a little more goddess-like and not so much the alien one that we've seen on like the cartoon. So her wing, do her wings pop out of nowhere? Oh, we'll see. But uh, the important thing is she's not going to be a constantly winged character, which would be expensive and silly looking. I hope they pop out of nowhere. Sort of like um, how... Duncan McLeod of Highlander could always pull a sword out of his trench coat. I don't know if I've talked about that on this podcast. It's something I've been thinking about a lot recently. Um, <laughs> he just pulled a sword out of nowhere, out of the well, back of his coat. One of my favorite uh, joke, jokey Spider-Man villains is called uh, The Dot, I believe. Uh-huh. It's either The Dot or The Spot. One is the Spider-Man villain and one is the Venture Brothers riff on the Spider-Man villain. <laughs> But uh, he, like the black parts of his costume are actually black holes that he could pull stuff out of. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um, there, right. Her wings are in the black hole. <laughs> We've got one more sort of boring-ish cast. Not boring-ish. Uh, before we get to like the big casting news potential. <laughs> 
But uh, Steve, Stephen Amell of Arrow fame has uh, been cast as Casey Jones in the next Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. And all of a sudden, I'm interested in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle franchise. Uh, Steve Amell has got great comedic timing. And I really hope that he continues to break out outside of Arrow. I think he could be, you know, a great uh, big star if he wanted to be. Dave, your thoughts? Casey Jones? Yeah, no, I think it's great. And uh, I hope there's, uh, you know, it's a franchise where you got to set the bar in a place that the movie can clear. So I hope there is a reference, there's a meta reference. I hope he needs to save this city. <laughs> you're, you're Oliver Queen and your Joker are not, are not that far off, I think. No, but that's because thanks to uh, Batman <laughs> Begins, ba- that's oh. just the dis- disguising your voice thing. Fucking bail. That's why, that's why Flash vibrating his vocal cords is so much cooler. <laughs> Even though it sounds like he's talking through like one of those fake toy slinky megaphones yeah, that I used to have I as a kid. I kind of love that, though. <laughs> um, all right, so this is the most tantalizing casting news. This, did this break today? Is that when it broke? It did break today on okay. Slash Film, I believe. On Slash Film. That uh, actress Linda Cardellini, most recently seen in Bloodline, but also Freaks and Geeks fame, and actress Julie uh, Delby. Oh, Scooby-Doo fame. I guess, of Scooby-Doo fame. Uh, and, or ER, which she was probably on for like a decade. And then Julie Delpy, who we know from the before Sunrise, Sunset, um, and, oh God, what's that movie? Killing, Killing Zoe, is that what it's called? Anyway, yeah. Julie Delpy, great, beautiful French actress, are on the red carpet call list for the Avengers Age of Ultron premiere, uh, and go ahead, yeah. finish, finish oh, that news. Oh, and they reached out to Disney for comment about wh- what was up, and Disney's comment was that it was not a mistake or a typo. Okay, so if we have a hidden, uh, you know, potential Captain Marvel who's already been cast, and we don't know who it is, and we've this is the first we're hearing of Linda Cardellini and Julie Delpy being involved in Avengers Age of Ultron, then the question is, is either Linda Cardellini or Julie Delpy Carol Danvers? Correct. Or are they doing something even cooler like they did with the first Avengers and gathering everybody at the premiere to shoot the tag? Oh, right. So this would not be a secret casting. This would be the first that we heard about it, and it was before the movie. So maybe good, awesome fan journalism, or maybe a good, well-kept secret. I like Linda Cardellini a lot. She's not who I had in mind for Carol Danvers remotely. But, um, well, any Linda Cardellini or Julie Delpy involvement is good casting, honestly. They're great actresses, so. I feel like it's more likely Linda Cardellini. Yes. uh, But uh, just Julie Delpy being somebody is kind of a cool prospect. Well, so I read, um, I don't remember it very well, but, uh, weren't the Ca- Captain Marvel rumors that were swirling, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, um, involved Kelly Sue DeConnick and her Captain Marvel plotline, like Kelly Sue was being consulted or she said she wanted to be consulted, something like that. Is that right? Po- possibly. I don't quite recall the, the details of the incident or if it ended up being true or, true or false. But okay. Yes, At any let's rate, go there with is, that. Well, there is like an older... I mean, I don't know how much older than Linda Cardellini, uh, Julie Delpy is, but there is like an older woman who's like a mentor to Carol Danvers. It's a whole thing in, in that comic. So I don't know. Who knows? It's, it's an exciting time to be alive. <laughs> it is. Um, we didn't talk about the Spider-Man casting, which I mean, we can just touch on briefly. 
um, which is to say, ha ha, Dave was right. They're going young and they're going white for Peter Parker. Um, uh, Not so much ha ha, but yeah. Um, I mean, I'll ha ha on your behalf. You don't have to ha ha. I'll do the uh, ungraceful ha ha for you. So. I feel like if you're as cocky and sure of yourself as I was, then you don't have to ha ha. I mean, I out, and, and I none of us are like celebrating another, the fact, another person. <laughs> yeah, and none of us are celebrating the fact that it's, you know, a, a, another white kid necessarily. We're not like, yay, no minority casting. We're just sort of like, yay, Dave knows what he's talking about, which he often does. Um, right. So they're looking at um, Asa Butterfield, um, a.k.a. Hugo, a.k.a. <laughs> um the kid from ender's game ender himself um and who else oh i said true i I can't say who else there's one other name that badass digest reported and i'm fairly sure there's more okay but so so uh, dave knows more than he's telling but just basically we understand the crop of what they're looking for and looking at. They're all white people. And they're all they're younger all than anyone seven, we talked about. 17 or it turning 18 this yeah, year. Yeah, like that Teen Wolf kid is too old, basically, is the problem. So Yes. All right, moving on. <laughs> um, gosh, you pick the next thing we talk about. I feel like we're talking a lot of casting, so... <laughs> what about this one that just says, Your Secret Wars junk? Yeah, hey, Dave, talk about your Secret Wars junk. <laughs> Well, since we last talked, uh, Rabu Malal, who is uh, supposedly the person smashing universes together in the Marvel uh, universe, is uh, is turned out to be Doctor Doom. That's one thing. Uh, DC released a promo video of Convergence and the, its plot, uh, where it is a future version of uh, Brainiac has collected dead DC universes in under glass like he does on a planet uh but they're all separated with a dome and he's going to drop those domes uh for convergence i believe he might be killed but i'm not sure if that's in the trailer or not uh which of course sounds very similar to battle world in uh secret wars over at marvel so it appears that uh, we're going to have a summer where both houses are going to be resurrecting their most popular alternate universe storylines or old events that happened and sort of slamming them all together. And what comes out on the other side, I think for Marvel is going to be a little bit more drastically different, but uh, with the outside of the like techno Batman uh, that we've started to see on the DC side. Um, well, what, how far do I want to go on this promise? I will post at some point when I know what it is. Uh, this is still developing on the Marvel side. What the reading list is to understand what happened uh, in the lead up to Secret Wars. It's looking like I'm going to have to actually get there, or at least a free comic book day, uh, before I know the extent of how much Hickman Fantastic Four you have to read. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, Doom being a central character there. Uh, also sort of extends to other Marvel events. So I'll post a list uh, when I know what it is, but I don't want to make you guys read stuff that's inessential, even though it would be awesome if we, you know, all read the, like, Death of Johnny Storm line together again. But, you know, whimsical whimsical thoughts. Um, Secret Wars reading list at some point, findinginthewarroom.com slash comics. Nice. All right. Um, so that is Dave doing that good work for us, so you don't have to. Um, I appreciate the the way you're canarying that that coal mine for us. Um, hey, yeah. Well, and then 
uh, we'll probably spend a lot of the actual run of Convergence leading up to Convergence uh, and back reading all the DC stuff. Like, Eternal sounds like it is amazing. So, yeah, I'll be catching up on comics while watching Game of Thrones. (laughs) Um, That sounds like the perfect way to spend your time, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, Catching up on comics while watching Game of Thrones. Just like doing things you like because yeah. you can. It's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I do want to touch on briefly this big comics controversy that happened a couple weeks ago that we didn't talk about uh, because we did not record at the time, which is the uh, Batman cover, Batgirl cover uh, that was an homage to Killing Joke, which had the Joker and Batgirl. And I know you saw it. It was very – we can't use the word problematic because it doesn't mean anything. Anyway – it was upsetting. interesting day to interesting week to bring up problematic yeah, i guess so. it, was, it was interesting it was upsetting it was you know subject of much debate personally i think the best solution uh is one dave showed to me this is usually the case dave shows me the way um will you do me a favor and post that that fan uh edit on the the yeah, I'll go back and find it. It's okay. basically they made her eyes angry instead they of fearful. They just changed her eyes, and that's all. And all of a sudden, that that cover was fine. To change her from like a quivering victim to an angry, hostile Batgirl who you knew was going to get shit done. Um, Most of the time, I would shame this sort of behavior from a comics company, but I think they did the best they could here in this case. Like, I agree that it's a bad idea once you see the cover but like if someone were to pitch that to me as someone who loves the killing joke and as someone who wants to you know make the terror of the joker real i get why it was approved but i definitely believe that it should have been pulled you know it's just an execution error and uh i'm not sure i could blame the company for that and it was a well composed i mean it was a good piece of art as opposed to like that Spider Woman cover that was so problemat- problematic, blah, uh, <laughs> with with her ass. Like I just didn't like the style of that cover at all. I like the style of this Batgirl cover, uh, especially after seeing um, that Angry Eyes version. So it's a weird thing to put on a cover because you know a cover is for everybody who's following the story or like in a comic book shop. But like as a fan of the Killing Joke I, and a fan of that artwork, I would you know buy a poster of that. So it's it's a weird line to draw where I totally agree that it should not be what it was, but I see how that happened, and it's not something that's as tone deaf to me as like when they're like draw Harlequin committing suicide. Yeah, yeah, swinging and a miss. Not great. Not great. Um, All right, and uh, another miss in my book is the fact that they've cast uh, Jubilee for the X Men series. I hate Jubilee, but we've been over this before as, uh, you know, as Dave has dug out in the past, I was a fan of the X-Men animated series and people who are fans of the X-Men animated series, uh, love Gambit, uh, and hate Jubilee usually, I think. Well, and people of the comic, the comic book variety have a less fond vision of Gambit and probably don't care as much about how much Jubilee sucks. So. Well, actually, Joanna. Actually, Dave, what? This is a decision pandering to you because this is a movie that takes place in the 80s. You're going to have a character that can only shoot colors. It's Dazzler. That's the character that should be there. That's the character no, that, that manages to be appealing per- to that because she was like the central char- a central character of the animated series. 
I'm just saying right. she sucks. So. No, she was a central character of the animated series, and they got Gambit launching next year. Uh, it's This is everyone, hey, remember the 90s cartoon, which is fine. Right. That was popular. Right. But it's less comics-based. Right. Uh, right. It's pandering to the dilettantes like me. Unless they just go make her a vampire, in which case, that's crazy. <laughs> um, oh, Jubilee's a vampire now in the comics, by the way. Yeah, I think you... I think we talked about that a couple weeks ago. I only know that because of you. Has a daughter. (laughs) Um, And then I guess finally we saw a shot of, um, of, ah, fuck, Jesse Eisenberg. There you go. I was like, where is that name? It's in my head. Jesse Eisenberg is Lex Luthor. Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, Jesse Zuckerberg. No. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Jesse Eisenberg is Lex Luthor. Um, I don't know. It was a a close up of a bald dude. He's bald. It looked good. You know, remember back in those days, we thought he wasn't going to be bald. I don't. I never thought that. But I do remember that he was like wearing an awful wig for a while in like paparazzi photos. So and and, like really like pulled down knit caps. Mm -hmm. So um, but it's good to finally see the chrome dome in action. So there you go. It's good to see that baldness on his face because now I believe it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's Lex Luthor. Oops. Sorry about ever doubting that because I just, you know, saw you mumble your way through a couple performances. I like Jesse Eisenberg. I never doubted that he could be. He got he got cast before I saw the double. And oh, the double so was the thing that convinced me that he wasn't just one of those actors that really knew what his pocket was, that he actually had some, some more range. Yeah, I guess um, Roger Dodger doesn't, like, show a lot of, like, Angry Eisenberg. It's good to see, like, angry slash, like, too suave Eisenberg in the double. It's a great, it's a great showcase for him. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> he, well, I always thought his Lex Luthor would be great. I just thought it would be very different. And I still think it is going to be very different from what we've seen from Gene Hackman or Kevin Spacey. Um, oh, yeah. Know? But hopefully it's, like, closer to the current comics Lex Luthor and his psychology. Because the Gene Hackman sort of thing, I respect it because it's Gene Hackman. But that's just the interpretation of the character I do not like. Um, I checked out of Smallville so early in that series. And every so often I'm digging through someone's IMDb and I find out that they played, like, Green Arrow or Aquaman or whatever. Like I, I just didn't realize how deep Smallville went into um, Justice Leaguing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so especially towards the end. Yeah. You know, and like looking at their costumes and stuff like that, it's just, it's very interesting to me. Anyway. Uh, sorry, that was just a sidebar. I was thinking about, um, what's his name? Michael. I forget who played Lex Luthor on that show, but he was my favorite part. Michael. Well, while we're reminiscing about dead DC shows. <laughs> You've seen parts of Birds of Prey, I'm assuming? I've never seen Birds of Prey, actually. Oh, man. Just go to YouTube and look up any Birds of Prey clips you can, especially the opening, and just be like, oh, they tried to do like this Flash Arrow thing years ago and just did not know how to do it. they like, it's all girls and they're fighting crimes, yeah. but having girl problems, it is really bad. But does the killing joke in uh, Flashback. The get we see Barbara get get shot by the Joker. Interesting. And I think they had Mark Hamill come back and do the voiceover. He doesn't appear as the Joker, but he does the voice of it. 
Should we start? We don't have any questions about it, so maybe that's a good segue into you talking about last night's episode of Flash. I or just seen the yet. past three episodes of Flash. <laughs> I've seen I've seen those two, but I did not Where see everything last has night. happened. Um, you know, and I did have some thoughts about what they decided to do in terms of. Well, let's go chronologically. Okay. <laughs> um, I really loved the um, the one from three weeks ago where Cisco dies. Um, you know, there's a huge tidal wave and, and all of that. I thought that was really high stakes, cool storytelling. Um, and I like the idea of going back in time, uh, you know, the way that it was discovered. That was an interesting, great twist at the end. But then they did exactly what I was afraid they were going to do, which is undo all of the high stakes storytelling that they did. And it's not that I want Cisco to die because I actually really like that character a lot. I like the actor a lot. Um, but, it, uh, you know, it, it, it bums me out to, I was really moved by that scene and it feels cheap to give me that scene and then just erase it the next episode. Um, that being said, I've had this argument with a bunch of friends and their argument seems to be that they're into it because when then Wells in last week's episode has basically the same conversation with Cisco saying that yes. he's like the son he never had. Um, you've got that imagery in your mind as you're watching it and, knowing where Wells is willing to go um, makes that character a lot scarier even than he was before. And that's kind of true. I just thought they sold the hell out of Cisco dying and it, and it, as much as I like the character being around it, it felt like a, a cop out. Also, also stupid was that gold gun that Cisco made in like an hour for well, Captain Cold's sister because that's because she's the golden glider, and otherwise she would have solid gold wings, and that doesn't fit into the, the golden this gun version. Is so dumb, though. You have to agree. If they have a gun that makes gold, why are they robbing anyone? <laughs> because of the sport of it. Okay, so what I liked about that is that the conversation that he has at the end not only names the rogues, but it sets up that Captain Cold doesn't kill, and the rogues doesn't kill, and he's going to be super pissed about it. I loved that. I loved the Captain Cold stuff at the end. And yeah. it's like, uh, what's his face? Wentworth Miller is just like found that character despite how silly it is mm -hmm. and embraced it and brought it to a place where now I'm willing to watch them face off with the Flash and in between episodes and not kill anybody. Like I'm, I'm willing to have lower stakes if there's ridiculous things like a gun that turns people into gold, but they're still robbing things so Wentworth Miller could talk about how smart he is. It's like I'm I'm into that, and then the fact like also with the the other episode, the uh, the previous one, uh, Liam McIntyre as Weather Wizard's uh, real Weather Wizard, I would suppose, um, and the way they sort of use those effects uh, to, I mean, it felt like it was a mid season finale, but it wasn't. It was just another episode, mm -hmm. which is why I think they were allowed to land the Cisco punch and then pull it back is because we really weren't expecting it. So hopefully when it was delivered, that shock, uh, you know, happened before we realized that we were being Superman part one, uh, <laughs> which I wrote about Latino review. They can, I finally wrote about the Batmaning of arrow and the Supermaning of flash about that turning back time plot line in between episodes. Cause I'm like, they're going to undo it because we just got all of these things. Uh, that we emotionally wanted, and then you know now we have to undo it because think, otherwise. Yeah, and I I realized it was happening once he and Iris kissed. Like when he and Iris kissed, I was like, oh no, this is one of those episodes where all the shit happens and then it doesn't. 
Yeah, um, and I, I think it was very meticulously planned out that way. And then the yeah. second thing that I like about it is that um, knowing where this season wants us to think it's going is we have a reverse flash preserving the future, needing access to the speed force, something. So anything they do with time travel, we need to pay attention to the rules. So not only do you get like these awesome dramatic scenes that you want from the television show, but then you get more information by what does or does not happen and what does or does not change. Um, so I just think it's a really cool way to deal with it. But then again, I wasn't thinking for a second that any of that was like actually going to happen after the episode ended. Right. So that being said, last night's episode where they revealed that the uh, reverse flash that's in Barry's house isn't Harrison Wells. Awesome. Um, it's Mark Hamill? No. Oh. No. So uh, we get, it starts off with this awesome fight scene 15 years before where we get to see yellow uh, flash and red flash beating each other up in slow motion around Barry's mom. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they get out of the house and Yellow Flash is chasing Red Flash. And then all of a sudden he runs out of juice and he pulls up Gideon and he's like, what's happening? She's like, you've lost your connection to the speed force. You can't travel through time. And he yells, no, and takes off his mask. And it's some blonde guy we've never seen before. And so as they're doing the uh, Mark Hamill uh, storyline with the trickster, they um, flashbacked and reveal that there actually was a Harrison Wells and there actually was his wife, Tess, who died in a car accident. And uh, what happened is they created the Super Collider and presumably the Flash um, in 2020. So Reverse Flash travels back in time, causes the car accident that kills Tess, and then stabs Wells in the chest with this machine that sucks his life force out and he becomes Harrison Wells. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> so there were sort of two reverse flashes or there it's like wells existed but like I don't I don't know. It complicates my feelings about the Harrison Wells character because now he's definitely much more tragic, but it also makes it um less likely that we're going to get to Barry's mom's death by the end of this season because oh. it is it isn't Wells in that room. It's this guy we haven't seen before. So if that we haven't be crazy seen him, if we don't end with, I guess, I mean, I guess I have been wondering because Barry keeps restating his mission statement, which is like, find out who killed my mom or go back and save my mom or whatever is his driving force. And I, I had been wondering what season two would look like if they tied that up, even tragically with Barry being the one to kill her in season one, it's like, you know, it's like Oliver Queen saying, like, my mission is to save my city. He could do that for years, you know, but if Barry has, like, a fixed point in time that, um, you know, he needs to reach and, and a mission, then what does the show become without that? I'm sure they could figure it out. They could zag, but... Well, um, I mean, the one way they could zag is that last night's episode also, um, he took off his mask in front of Eddie... So now the police are on to Harrison Wells and Barry doesn't believe him anymore. So everybody's sort of focused on that. They could have Barry learn how to time travel thinking he's going to find Wells there. He finds this other guy that only we know is the same guy from the future. Uh, and then they fight and then he has to like zoom forward in time. Um, but that doesn't undo anything. That just sort of puts it on the 
back burner to maybe return or to learn something about time travel. I don't know. It's weird, but I like it because now I don't know what's happening anymore. And I usually don't trust a season as a season of television as much as I'm trusting uh, Flash season one. So hopefully it doesn't let me down. And Mark Hamill was by once again, I haven't seen the episode yet, but Mark Hamill was by all accounts fantastic. And I did see a headline that he, his role is expanded past it's not just like a, uh, a one and done sort of situation. Uh, apparently, it was successful enough that he will be back because the trickster is in some incarnations part of the rogues. So he could team up with the rogues, awesome. which would be Mark Hamill scene chewing, which was awesome, by the way. It was basically like a Joker, uh, but the Joker voice come to life. Yeah, and it, it was like Joker, Hannibal Lecter. Basically, it was like what is rumored to be Jared Leto's part in. Suicide Squad, Mark Hamill just like did it on television yesterday, which was interesting. <laughs> suck, it, suck it, Leto. I've been jokering for, for years. Yeah, and just really <laughs> committed to it and nice. had one little fan service line that uh, didn't come off as corny. And yeah, so good. So him and Wentworth Miller both fighting the Flash would be amazing. Awesome. Because it'll be like, no, you can't kill that. And it'll be like, oh, you're no fun. And then it's just all go. It'll all go to hell. Oh, my God. This is the, this is the podcast of many voices from Dave. I, I love it. Did you hear me do John Oliver on this week's Fighting in the War Room? <laughs> no. Do you want to do it right now? No. You got to go listen to this week's uh, Fighting in the War Room. Damn it. All right. Um, that's not a burden. That's a great show. <laughs> I just wanted to hear it now. Okay. Um, should we finally get into some emails like hey, an hour yeah. later? Okay. Um, <laughs> this comes from uh, Brian from Orange County, who I believe is one of our most loyal emailers. And he said, uh, recently I was watching the commentary track for an episode of The Legend of Korra, book four. In it, uh, Bright, that's Brian and Mike, the creators of the show, uh, were encouraging the fandom to fill in the gaps, continue the story of Avatar through fan fiction. This led me to think on the broader question, what are the possibilities of fan fiction becoming canonical? Do either of you know of any properties, uh, comics, superheroes, or otherwise, where fan fiction has become canon? The abysmal Twilight fan fiction that became Fifty Shades of Grey does not count. Um, all right, Dave has some answers here, right? Yeah, so on the lesser end, there's things like Patton Oswalt uh, had like an idea for Firefly, and uh, you just deleted my answer. Oh my gosh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Control Z. Okay, there we go. So Patton Oswalt had some ideas for Firefly, and since Firefly is being continued in comic book form, he was allowed to write those into a comic book, which is sort of like the, I don't know, know, that's not really fan fiction because it's Patton Oswalt. Like, if if he has an idea, you might as well let him write it. It's like Kevin Smith writing, you know, comic books. Um, In comics, my favorite example is the Black Spider-Man costume, which was actually a fan submission that got adapted and then uh, slowly turned into the symbiote through uh, different backdoor dealers of Venom. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, the symbiote. Anyway, Sorry. <laughs> uh, through various uh, backdoor Marvel dealings that you could read about in you know, books like Marvel The Untold Story. But you don't have to because I will link in the show notes to a post uh, by the man who actually submitted that comic, uh, that idea, and his uh, sort of story about how his idea ended up being Spider Man's most popular costume. Um, Star Trek, the television series up through, I want to say Voyager. No, 
it's going to have to be up through Deep Space Nine because Ron Moore was running that. Uh, you could just submit your ideas, uh, and if they liked it, they would uh, assign it to a writer, and the writers would pitch those ideas uh, back as scripts, and if that was still good, your idea would be used as a Star Trek episode that happened on Next Generation a lot. Uh, so maybe just on Next Generation, because it obviously didn't happen in the original one, and if Deep Space Nine ended it, so that would only be Next Generation. Only on Star Trek Next Generation did fans submit ideas, and, and that worked for a while. some great episodes, actually. The, yeah. the fan-generated next-gen episodes. So. Well, because especially when it's, like, super popular, your fans sometimes know uh, where to go. Uh, and then in the world of Star Wars, a f- series of fan films called Pink Five that basically put a valley girl into the Star Wars trilogy. Um, she would, like, meet with Yoda and did the Death Star Trench run. Uh, they eventually did three... I think Pink Five shorts altogether. It's split up episodically. I'm sure you could find them online. You might need to purchase them at this point. Um, but they were popular enough because at the time Lucasfilm was really supporting fan films, um, uh, things like you know Troopers, the cop uh, rip, cops rip off and whatnot, sort of started this uh, online fervor for them. That uh, Pink Five got her own tops card and is therefore technically Star Wars canonical. But it then got deleted when Disney bought them, so it was a short run, but Pink Five was there for a while. <clears throat> what show, what popular show do you think would be best served by going back to that whole fan submission model currently running? Is there anything that would work that way, like the way Next Gen did? <clears throat> mm. The only reason I know about that, actually, is because of uh, listening to Kumail Nanjani's X-Files podcast. He was talking about how a lot of the X-Files fans would submit their scripts all the time, um, their ideas for X-Files episodes, which which is a similar thing where Monsters of the Week and on Star Trek you'd have Aliens of the Week. Uh, you know, you need something that's not super serialized or can or can take breaks pretty easily. Um, and I can't really think of any show right now. I know. can't think of uh, a production structure where taking direct fan ideas is a good idea. Um, <laughs> uh, just legally, yeah. it's much better to like, you know, go to a convention and hear what they have to think in mass or just, you know, like watch the ratings and see what they don't like or all these conventional things or just let, like hire good writers and let them go to town on it. But I, I, I mean, wait, really? Like, your advice for TV shows is hire good writers. I, I mean, you think that <laughs> that would be something they would all do, but uh, it apparently it's not always the case. But yeah. like, we don't really have anything anthologized. Like, I think like you know something like Black Mirror in the UK could do it. Mm, yeah. Um, uh, I think that uh, you know, Ooh, any, Who. anything Ryan Murphy might as well be fan submitted anyway. So <laughs> we have like that sort of filled fans, uh, fan submitted would probably be more coherent. But like if you actually, you know, were to call and be like, submit your script ideas, what you do is open yourself up to lawsuits from anybody who submits an idea that is anything similar to anything you make money on in the future. Mm. And so even if you have like a weird disclaimer, you know, you got crazies. Uh, so I think that time is kind of over. Bummer. But and also they don't need it. They just, you know, search your tweets for the hashtag that they put up on screen and hear what you think for free. So that's true. That's true. Yeah. All right. So this next question comes from Rachel, and this is also another sort of Republic City Dispatch, Legend of Korra, 
uh, adjacent question. So if you guys are listening to this and didn't find us through Legends of Korra, uh, go listen, go watch Legends of Korra and then listen to our old episodes of Republic City Dispatch because uh, that's technically comic book adjacent. There are comic books made out of it. So Yeah, we even have one more episode of that podcast to do with some comic books, apparently. Yeah, there you go. Um, okay, so Rachel says, um, I'm a big superhero fan of both companies. I must say I'm rather partial to DC, mostly due to its television shows, dating back to the adventures of Lois and Clark. Uh, but being a person of color, more specifically a woman of color and a comic book fan, is super fun, but it's a little disheartening. Growing up, I never really saw female superheroes or characters in general that looked like me. That was one of the reasons I gravita- gravitated towards Avatar The Last Airbender slash Legends of Korra franchise. Two shows that showed women of color being superheroes, badasses, love interest, etc. Um, I'm excited for the CW's new Vixen show, which could be cool, but what about live action? With all this talk about Johnny Storm being black and how cool it would be for Spider-Man to be black, I have to ask myself, well, what about the female characters? How crazy would it be if Marvel cast Carol Danvers as black, Latina, or even an Asian woman? We have Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, Elizabeth Olsen as Scarlet Witch, so how about switching it up for Captain Marvel? I know that most people will say, well, what about Storm and X-Men? But come on, Storm and X-Men wasn't exactly compelling or good. Holly Berry was miscast. And I'm afraid this new actress for X-Men Apocalypse won't fare too much better. I prefer her X-Men, uh, the animated series version, where she kept sprouting, uh, spouting out ridiculously cheesy lines before summoning the rain. Me too! But do you think <laughs> a live-action female superhero could ever possibly be a woman of color in the near future, or is the world not ready? Thanks and keep up the great work. Uh, yes, the world is definitely ready. Um, whether or not the studios agree, I don't know. Um, you know, and this comes on the heel of us talking about two very white women possibly being cast as Carol Danvers. So maybe Captain Marvel is not the place we see it. But um, yeah, it is about damn time for sure. For sure. Dave, what's your answer? Um, I, I mean, yeah. In the near future, the closest we're going to get are things like Sky and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is still pretty white for a partially ethnic person. Um, I don't have a good answer for when we should expect this. Uh, I think it mirrors American suffrage. So, like, you know, you give women the right to vote sort of state by state, and it's mostly the white women, and it's then the black men get the right to vote. Uh, but it's not really nationwide that women get to vote yet. And then the 19th Amendment gives all people the right to vote. So it's like we're not at our 19th Amendment casting point. We're at our 15th Amendment casting point where some women have the right to vote and black men have the right to vote. Uh, <laughs> in this regard, and by vote, I mean cast as superheroes. <laughs> in this regard, though, um, I think DC is more likely... Uh, you, you know, Rachel's preferred house, DC, is more likely to do this than than Marvel, just because DC, from the jump, ha- has seems to have diversity as a mission statement, uh, more so and than Marvel. And also as many characters as possible as a <laughs> <Yeah>. mission statement. <laughs> That's true. So just, just by the numbers, it's right. probably uh, going to happen there. So a hot girl, right, is a, is a woman of color. We don't know how... I- yeah, and well, and then the thing about the thing to watch, she references Vixens, like yeah, yeah that's animated. But right, we talked right. about before, like if it's in the same world as Arrow and Flash, if a pop character gets popular there, it's going to get ported. So with that in mind, if they are thinking that, I would look at the minority leads in that because chances are they're going to cast 
like they look in case they have to, you know, shuffle them out into live action again. So where I would normally say animation, yeah, probably doesn't count in terms of representation. Vixen might. Um, right. Does that make sense what I yeah, said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, sorry, I misspoke. I didn't mean Hot Girl. I meant Plastique, which has been is an Asian-American actress playing that character. So, you know, that's still the third string female character on an overcrowded uh, film. But with Amanda Waller, uh, who is not always African-American, but they decided to go with, right? Like, I mean, she is on Arrow. She's being played by Viola Davis. It's not really the same as Captain Marvel at all, I know. But um, I don't mean to be like, like, well, at least movie, we have Amanda Waller. Yeah, the movie leading superheroes uh, finding a female person of color for that i think it's not on the foreseeable horizon of movies that we have to 2020 yeah which sucks it does suck uh or do we count jessica alba's shitty uh sue storm no all right um well do i mean do we count her as you know mexican because she is even though she's the whitest person in machete (laughs) all right um, good point. Jalen Johnson from Piedmont, Alabama says, Hey guys, just want to know if you, uh, if you thought there was any way one of the infinity gems from the MCU could show up in an episode of agents of shield or possibly a Netflix show defenders. Anyone, all the speculation over where the final gems will pop up seems to be limited to the movies when the universe is much larger than just the films. Thanks guys. And keep up the awesome work. Um, I would say, that it would not be outside the realm of possibility to see something pop up in a case uh, on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I would think, as with a lot of things we've seen in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it would come after the films, not before. Dave? Yeah. I'm sort of on that uh, that bandwagon. Like, the Infinity Stones exist to draw people to Infinity War and each movie that they're placed in because they're what the plot hinges on. So they're sort of like these magical things that they have X amount of, and they're running out of X amount, and they need to boot these movies. So I would definitely think the Infinity Stones is a movie-only Marvel Universe thing. When they're introduced, uh, Avengers Age of Ultron is going to use the Scepter again, which is a double dip on the Infinity Stone, and it will be our first one. So I think it, you know, if an Infinity Stone has a cool power and you want to do some time travel in Luke Cage, yeah, throw the time stone in as you've introduced it in something before that but i don't think we're going to see any introductions outside of the movies yeah i'll be watching i'll be cramming daredevil this weekend and sort of uh cooking up a post about how essential is this to the mcu you know like they're not going to make it essential but just sort of looking at the connections how 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 much they're weaving it together so yeah i have I don't know. We're we're in like weird spoiler territory because no one knows anything about the Spider-Man movie. But I will say that the reports that we'd heard about like him fighting Iron Man have turned into sort of rumblings that maybe Kingpin is going to have a side plot that allows him to like show up. And what that Enough? means to me, yeah, <laughs> in a Sony Spider-Man movie. And what that means to me is not that either of these things are happening, but that they're probing the Marvel characters to see which one they're going to lend out to Sony for a Spider-Man movie. So that being said, that's where I think the Netflix series are going to be kind of interesting 
to watch for because they're not going to lend out somebody who they already have their movie future planned for into a Sony movie they're planning right now. So these Netflix characters, I think, are, might be good, you know, spice of life. Yeah. I mean, the more D'Onofrio, the better, in my opinion. Um, all right. So this comes from um, Egan, I believe is his name. Uh, he goes by at weird.beard on Twitter. I quite like him on Twitter. So uh, if I've mispronounced your name, apologies. I think we think we covered this. I guess we kind of covered it. No, no, no. Yeah, we talked about the Flash. There's a second question, though. Well, I tweeted the answer to this. Uh, because there was no thought bubble last week and put it on Facebook. So I will also include screen caps of those answers <laughs> in the show notes. But basically, well, we're going to ask it anyway, which is what's your favorite com- costume in comics? I feel like maybe we talked about this in a previous episode anyway. Mm. Or or we talked about creative costumes, maybe. Anyway, or I, think it was just, I think we were less more pessimistic. I remember it being like costumes I didn't hate. Because I talked about like Spawn coming through the the glass in that one shot. No, and- I talked about trench coats for some reason. Okay, sorry guys. Um- but he this, this reader <laughs> brings up one that is actually also my favorite, which is the Ben Riley Scarlet Spider costume. Okay, has so. a blue hoodie. I uh, made a costume by sewing lycra with my bare hands, and uh, there'll oh, be pictures yeah, of it. Yeah, <laughs> I did see that photo. <laughs> There will be pictures of it at uh, fightinginthewarroom.com oh, slash comics. You do not want to miss out on it. It's so good. Um, they should let me play the Scarlet Spider. <laughs> I'm not growing. This 16-year-old they cast will grow into me. Proportions. I'm a tiny man. <laughs> Just let me let me do it. Um, all right. Do you have any other candidates? For favorite costumes? Yeah. Mm, Let's see what did I say last time. I liked uh, like functional costumes, uh-huh. so yeah, I'm still there. But I think I left out Spider Gwen's new costume, which might be my favorite Spider-related uh, costume design of recent memory. And there have been a lot because there was a period in early dance slot where he was basically inventing a new suit every time there was uh, like a ally. He became like a weird, you know, like um, Batman Forever, Batman. Uh, for a while, it was it was no good. Oh, Batman and Robin, because that's when he creates the ice suit. Um, Deep dive. <laughs> I guess I'm going to go with a more obvious answer, which is Harley Quinn's uh, uh, suit, because it's it's kind of incredible that that thing works. It shouldn't work. The original, You're I'm thinking about, about. Oh yeah, the animated series one. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I guess is cheating, but. Um, you know, like the Harley Harlequin suit is is such like an old costume in general and so the fact that it works in like lycra foam format but she still has those like you know puffy cuffs and and collar it just shouldn't and the belled cap like it shouldn't have worked and it works so yeah pun costuming shouldn't have worked for you but it did <laughs> but it did um all right so that's that answer uh oh this one you want to answer by doing your own impression, I believe. Oh, I do, I do. This is not just the... I'll, this is, I'll read it. This, okay, this is a repeat from another from Brian. Okay, go uh, ahead. Hey, Brian from Orange County. Yeah. Hey, David, Joanna, or Joanna and Dave. I, I switched it, so I was in first. Uh, <laughs> did anyone else think Aaron Taylor Johnson's accent sounded a bit, bit off in the new Avengers TV spot? Also, I wanted to recommend the re-released John Constantine Hellblazer series that starred in the 80s. I'm through the first three volumes. It's fantastic. Yes, it is, Brian. I can't wait to get to the Seminal Dangerous Habits storyline. 
look forward to it, Brian. <laughs> Thanks as always for everything you do. Um, is this where I do my impression? I think so. Okay. What's the line? Oh, yeah. It goes, what? You didn't see that coming? Uh, I think my version's a little more Dracula than his. What? Uh, what? You didn't see that coming? I love it. I'm obsessed with Aaron Taylor Johnson's. Uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a. It's time. It's personal Joanna story time. I don't do this too often. Dave does it more than I do. I think. Um, <clears throat> uh, I was in love with a Ukrainian named Alex, so I'm, <laughs> I'm predisposed <laughs> to like that accent. Uh, and all of his friends were named Alex and they were all from the Ukraine. And so I used to do my Ukrainian accent all the time and it was awful probably. And, uh, and one time I was asking him, I was like, I was like, yes, my accent is good, right? Like you, you like it is good. And he was like, yeah, you sound perfect from wherever you are from. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, I have a history of, of being a sucker for Eastern European, uh, overblown accents i love i love quicksilver's accent i'm i'm interested to see what elizabeth olsen does with that accent though we haven't heard that yet so yeah it'd just be funny if she doesn't have one yeah (laughs) (laughs) aaron do you really do you're insisting choice okay that's that's a choice okay all right but i mean like you you have the same parents (laughs) Um, she did something changed inside of her (laughs) <laughs> she let it go um my powers also include talking like the count <laughs> ah, 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 ah. <laughs> um i hope we didn't just offend any eastern european listeners also i am fast <laughs> i am going to make quick puns because i am fast like wind <laughs> that's, that's, that's more russian, russian than ukrainian yeah yeah sorry fast like wind <laughs> fast like wind in, in bread line all right um <laughs> yeah do we want to answer this last question or do we just want to skip it do we i was to- just thinking that we do have eastern european listeners and not anymore <laughs> but we're not really making fun of eastern european accents we're making fun of cartoonish american versions of eastern european accents that's it's true. like if an eastern european started going like Y'all come back now, you hear? Like, I wouldn't get offended because you're not making fun of Americans. You're making fun of that really outlandish extrapolation of us. If we have offended, though, if if people, like, if people in Eastern Europe hear, like, the, the Count accent and get really mad, please let us know if we've transgressed it anyway. So, uh, do we want to end on that on that note? Yeah, that's probably good. Okay. There's a new Batman costume coming up, but I don't know who's in it anymore, so we should probably wait until that's revealed in the comics. Uh, all right. Yeah, I bet you weren't seeing that coming. Boom. <laughs> so please do email us, guys. Uh, we are back for at least one more week before we go on weird weirdo hiatus. Please also tweet at us. I really love the conversation that happens on Twitter around with the Thought Bubble listeners. Uh, you guys keep me on top of my comic book shit, which is great. Um, so yeah, She's our, at Joe Wrote This. I'm at DA7E. Th- I right. don't know if we ever say that, but you guys <laughs> find us. It's amazing. Uh, you can email us, bubbleyourthoughts at gmail.com. You can send us a clip of your best Quicksilver impression. Um, I can't wait to have more lines to work with. Um, and you can find all of our episodes at fightingthewarroom.com slash comics or... Batman v Superman, enter the night.com. Never not funny. Dave, where can people find your work on the internet? 
Uh, I'm at geek.com, forbes.com, and latino-review.com, and then also doing a great John Oliver impression this week at fightingintheworldroom.com. Um, you can find me on vanityfair.com. You can find me on talking about television in general on the Station Asians podcast, talking about Justify, which only has two more episodes over on the Holler Back podcast. Or uh, upcoming, you can hear me talk about Game of Thrones on the Cast of Kings and the Stone Spoilers. Thanks for listening. We will catch you next week. Bye.